Welcome to The Sears Show. Join us as we explore medicine, health, mental health, mindset, and fitness, guided by lifelong seeker of knowledge, Sifu Raphael. He will lead us on a transformative journey with groundbreaking insights and extraordinary guests from around the world. Together, we'll dive into the latest holistic approaches to well-being and the profound connections between mind, body, and soul. Sifu Raphael's expertise in positive thinking, resilience, and personal growth will inspire you to reach new heights. Get ready for the Sears show. It's time to embrace a brighter, healthier, and more empowered future. Good morning in New York and good evening in Australia. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me on the Sear Show. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. I'm so pleased to be back and having another chat with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time we have a chat, it's it's so invigorating to talk to you because you bring so much great energy in all that you do. So today, I think we want to talk about self-mastery. Mm. Oof. I love that. Yeah. What makes somebody become a master? Let's even start there. Mm. How do we master ourselves? Well, I'll go back a step even further. I mean, the last mm. couple of times I was on the show, it was about, you know, I guess my kinesiology, my life coaching and all of that. But what I realized was you know, over two years ago, I made self-mastery my number one value because it's what I'd been doing for the previous sort of seven to 10 years was Mm. learning more and more about myself, learning how to master myself, learning how to change my reactions into responses, all of that stuff. And realistically, that's what I teach my clients. And what people want to know is not what you do and how you do it. It's what's in it for me. Mm. And that's the part that I guess drew me to self-mastery was because that's the value I've been living to. That's what I hold everything I do up to in my own life. And the reason I say that I flip the paradigms, I know so many people out there say they flip paradigms of it, but I really do change the way that you think about mastering yourself and self-mastery because self-mastery isn't about perfection. It's not about people-pleasing. It is not about, um, you know, making everybody else happy or living to preconceived notions of who and what you should be. It really is about going in and developing your empathy and compassion for self Mm. and then taking that to others understanding that we are going to be unresourceful at times and how do we handle ourselves when we do that? Can we be kind to ourselves in those moments and make amends to the people we've been unresourceful with? And can we do that without beating ourselves up and without judging ourselves? So there's this huge, um, I guess, plethora of, of things that tie into it and work that we can do to develop those skills of learning how to master ourselves. Mm. So before we become a master in anything, it's about us, isn't it? 
Yeah, has to be. We're the only people that we can control and we're the only people <laughs> that we can really get to know at such a deep level because even when we think we know someone deeply, we don't really know what's going on under the surface. And even when we ask them and they tell us, we're still only getting small aspects of what's actually going on. And so let's face it, the whole view of the world that we have is our view of the world. And so the only true mastery we can ever have is of ourselves. Yeah, you, you said something very important. We can't know what someone else is even thinking. We we can assume, and you know, like when you see a married couple and they're around for like a long time together and they can almost finish each other's sentences, but there could be a trigger in one of them that just changes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're like, What are you thinking? <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't know you were thinking that way. Yeah. So, and you're right. We we can only control the one person in this whole world. Mm. That's that person that looks at you in the mirror. That's the person that you need to be, before we can even change ourselves, we need to be honest with ourselves, right? Yeah. Uh, and that is one of the first steps is is being honest with ourselves and being prepared to self-reflect, mm. be self-responsible, and be, I hate the term brutally honest because I think we can be very <laughs> kindly honest. I don't think honesty mm. always has to be brutal. But it is almost that brutal honestly, honesty with ourselves where we have to truly dig into why we're doing what we're doing, how we're doing what we're doing, you know, our motivations, the values that we're living to or not living to everything about ourselves it's like stripping it bare and pulling ourselves apart and going Mm. okay what fits what doesn't and how do I want it to be yeah without a doubt when we and you talk about stripping away so that we can get to the core because that's really that's what we're made of isn't it the core everything else could be ideas or concepts that other people have put on us and then we take them on as if they're our own but when we strip all that away what are we left with yeah truth truth and honesty i believe that yeah absolutely yeah 100 percent, absolutely so before we got on live you were telling me you are Besides always creating, which I love about you, you're always engaging, you're always assessing, knowing who you are. But what are you doing for other people? Because you're bringing programs about that help other people. Tell us about that, if you don't mind. So it's taken me a a long time to get to this point, funnily enough, Mm. as it always does. You know, the journey is always, you know, multifaceted and up and down and all over the shop. Um, You know, as I said, two years ago, I made self-mastery my number one value. I realised what it's what I'd been living to. It's what I've Mm. been holding myself to for, you know, seven to ten years before that. And funnily enough, as soon as I made it my number one value... (laughs) life got real and I thought I'd gone through all the challenges that life would have. But funnily enough, in the last two years, despite all of the stuff that I've been through, I've had probably three or four moments where I've literally been on my knees screaming Mm. for God to take me home. It has been proper 
And I, mm. I'd be in that moment. And even in that moment, I'd be going seriously with all I've gone through. How is this what ends me? You know, mm. it's like wow. you'll laugh at this one. At one point, I think I was screaming for God to either take me home or make me Jesus and let me manifest shit out in thin air um, because I was literally just going, I can't do this anymore. So if you're not going to take me home, then you got to make this fucking amazing because I'm just... I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but what's really happened through that process is I've realised that I've navigated the heroine's journey, not just the hero's journey. And that has really, really deepened my understanding of self, my understanding of others, my understanding with clients, the way that I navigate the world, the way that I interact with the world, the way that I deal with my clients. Like everything has evolved and grown from these dark depths that I've been to where I've literally been stripped bare. Mm. And what that has allowed me to do is recognise that because before I was going, I don't want to work with groups because I work in such a deep trauma-informed way. I don't want to take that into containers. I've dealt with some clients who've been to some really big name motivational speakers and Mm. inspirational speakers And I've been having to clear them because I've been in such massive rooms, the container hasn't been opened properly and hasn't been shut properly. So I've been working with people who come out of these massive events completely discombobulated and unable to function when they get back in the real world after these transformative kind of events. Mm. And so I was always, no, I'm not working in groups. I'm going to keep it one-to-one because then I can open the container close it all of that can be done safely but the more that I've gone through this one I know I will never get to that point where I'm not opening and closing containers Mm -hmm. properly because that's you know one of my massive beliefs one of my massive intentions and also the way that I work I guess has has more of a community feel to it now because I've gone through that heroine's journey and I'm out the other side looking at that connection to Mother Nature, the connection to other people, the building of community, the building of support networks. Mm-hmm. And so it's really evolved and I still love one-to-one work and I will never stop doing that. And also the evolution of what I'm creating now fits beautifully with groups and and like I said I've split it into two so I've got self-mastery and business so for spiritual entrepreneurs solopreneurs entrepreneurs who are looking at the way to co-create with their own energy their Mm -hmm. business as a separate entity and their soul aligned clients as a separate entity so really looking at this triangulation of energy but being able to keep themselves as a separate energetic entity because when we have our own business, as you know, it's so hard mm. energetically to look at it from that perspective. And then also the personal self-mastery, so really looking at that self-development aspect of it. So I have separated the two out, but the pillars of, that we work through are the same. The journey we go through is, is the same. It's just, as I say, one has this co-creative dance of the business and soul aligned clients added into it. The other one is more of a co-creative dance between you and your personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, you, you made me think of Adam and Eve. 
and, and because they were naked. Mm. And when Eve ate the apple, they were no longer naked. What transformed was shame and guilt. Mm. Right, if you think of it. Because even though they were naked all along, now all of a sudden they had to cover up. Mm -hmm. So what, what I think happens with people is that we take on all this shame and guilt along the way from even from childhood and we bring it with us everywhere we go. And when we can actually be naked once again, and not be ashamed of it and not feel guilty because we're naked, then I think that it, that's when we truly can start to master ourselves. And I love the, love the fact that you said that you, now you're doing community because now you're serving a bigger purpose mm. because you're able to affect more people. And because as a community, you can work together. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And you're right. There's nothing like one-on-one. -on -one. There isn't. I love one-on-one. -on -one. But when I work with many people, I can see that even if not everybody gets my message, they start to share one with one another. Mm. And all of a sudden, it becomes a collective where they all start to, light bulbs start to go off like this. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Boom. And they're like, oh, now we get it. And the beauty that I love about community is that when you start the fire, you're the fire starter. Mm. Now they bring their own kindling. And then they start, the fire gets bigger and bigger. And then it's beautiful because they have contributed. And that's why I, I love community as well. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's this beautiful thing of support within the community where people can form some incredible um, bonds with the people mm. in there, but also there's an amplification of the energy. So we're not just, you know, it's not just myself and, and one other. We're gaining new perspectives. We're gaining other people's experience as well. And that can all meld and mesh together to amplify that experience. And, and, create some real potency within those containers that, you know, far surpasses the one plus one. Mm. Yesterday I was with a group and I asked them to go through an exercise and then I asked the group to critique them. And, of course, everybody's like, oh, it was great, it was this, it was that. I'm like, you're lying to each other. <laughs> you're a bunch of liars. Stop it. I said, if you want to help one another, if you love one another, then be honest. Mm. And then all of a sudden, and I said, nobody's feelings are going to get hurt. People are not here to be, you know, patted down and saying you're amazing. They're here because they want growth. Mm. And without criticism, not negative criticism, but productive criticism, then there's growth. Yeah. And slowly, I mean, slowly, started, <laughs> they started to work with one another. But it, it did take some, some coaxing on my part to let them know, hey, 
we're in a safe space, mm. right? Yeah. Whatever we say stays with us, but we can't grow if we can't have someone tell us what we're doing wrong mm. at all. Yeah. I said, otherwise you, you're running around town thinking that you're, you know, you're shiny and beautiful. Meanwhile, there's certain parts that are, but other parts that need to be polished. And wouldn't you want all the parts to be polished? Everybody's like, yeah, I do, I do. I'm like, okay, so stop lying to your neighbor. <laughs> See, I don't think we need all of our parts polished. I think we need that that yeah. messiness within us. To, and yeah. But the trick is learning to accept that and learning to not deny that it exists. So mm-hmm. I kind of get what you mean, It's it's but... It's not necessarily about polishing all of it because we're going to have parts of us that no matter how hard we try, they're not going to be polished. They're not going to be shiny and perfect. They're going to be messy. They're going to be dented. They're going to be, you know, real and raw. Mm. And if we can truly accept and embrace those, then I think we truly shine into who we're meant to be because we, we're we not in denial, we're not in delusion, we're not creating illusions, we're being real and raw. And that's where the superpower, I think, comes in. And, yeah, we need to be given different perspectives on things. We need other people to call us on our bullshit sometimes. Mm-hmm. We need people to go, oh, have you thought about looking at it from this angle or this angle or, you know, that constructive feedback that you're talking about. But I don't necessarily think we need to be fully polished. I love the fact that we're not. And I Mm. think that's where I change that idea of self-mastery. Self-mastery is not about perfection. It's not about being this totally polished, perfect, you know, unobtainable thing. Mm. It's about loving everything every part of you even those parts that are completely unresourceful even those parts that aren't polished even those parts that you know we never loved before the more love we can give to those the more acceptance we can give to those and the more kindness and compassion we can give to those the less we're denying them therefore they become part of the whole of who we are rather than being this part of us that arcs up and therefore we're constantly having to give attention to it or trying to bring it back into line like that, you know, naughty dog or naughty child that lives within us who's creating havoc. It's more like, you know what, I've got this. Let's, you know, let's do it this way. Because I think the more that we can see and love those unresourceful parts, the more that they become more resourceful because we're seeing them and loving them. And when we're fully seen and loved, we become more of who and what we are and we become less unresourceful. Yeah, That's the way I, I look at it. No, absolutely. <laughs> and so what, what I meant by, by polishing certain areas, um, you still have to, you may polish an area, but then you have to go back and repolish. So, for example, if you clean your house and you clean the kitchen, and all you focus is on the kitchen, what's going on with the bedrooms, what's going on with the closets, what's going on with the living room, what's going on with the second floor, third floor, whatever it is, right? So it's a constant. And it's not a one and done, is it? It it would be nice if it was, if we cleaned the kitchen and we never had to do it again. Wouldn't that be lovely? (laughs) That would be lovely. And then, oh, you vacuum once, so you don't need a vacuum anymore, right? Yeah. But, But this is why if you consider 
cleaning, that's part of your life because you can't listen. I showered when I was a kid. Do I, why do I have to shower today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Constant taking care of oneself. So I, I believe that mastery comes from polishing one area, but not forgetting the other areas. Because once you polish here, the other ones became dull. So it's almost like spinning plates, right? If you're spinning plates, it's very hard in the beginning, even if a professional plate spinner can spin plates two, three, four, five, but now give them 20, give them 30, yeah. give them 40. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I can't do this by myself. This is where I employ other people to assist me, to guide me, to help me. This is why a coach is so important. This is why you're so important in so many people's lives. Because as much as we want to be able to do it ourselves, I think part of self-mastery is understanding that we cannot be alone. We can't. No. Hell no. 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 <laughs> and you work. know what? I wouldn't be where I am in my journey if I hadn't had some incredible mentors, a couple of which have been on your show. I wouldn't be where I am without, you know, some amazing healers, incredible friends, a very mm. supportive partner, my children. You know, it does take a village the same as it takes a village to raise a child. And let's face it, that's realistically what we're doing is we're raising our own inner children and mm. reparenting them so yeah. that they feel seen and heard and loved and understood. And, and I think that's absolutely part of it is building that community and building that neighbourhood whereby you do have that support. Yeah, we, we need it. We were not, we're creatures where we should not be alone. Mm. Absolutely. Anybody who's a hermit does not live long. <laughs> no. No. And I think the other thing about when we do live on our own is we're not being challenged. Mm -hmm. You know, when you live on your own, it's actually really easy to delude yourself that you don't have any bad habits. Right. But when you live with somebody else, especially when you're in a romantic relationship and a partnership with somebody, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, oh, I do have a few bad habits and hell, so do they. And how do we mm. negotiate this? How do we, how do we live with this? How do I learn to love that part of you, even though it frustrates the hell out of me? And, mm. you know, I know I do things that frustrate the hell out of you. So how do we negotiate our, our life around this? And I think that's part of what keeps us um, growing and challenged and healthy is, is that idea of, well, I, I can't delude myself anymore that I am. <laughs> perfect and my you know housekeeping and all the things that I do at home is mm -hmm. is right or perfect or whatever it is yeah you know that that's where a lot of relationships fall apart because oh yeah it's it's all a facade in the beginning right it's always a facade have you ever seen the show Mrs. Maisel no oh my god if you ever get a chance to, you know I'm not plugging them but it's such a funny show one of the crazy things it was, I guess, based in the 1950s or whatnot, and where women were not supposed to be mm. comics and, you know, you know, couldn't work like that. But one of the crazy things is that the wife used to get up two hours before the husband to make herself up. So when he woke up, he see this beautiful woman. Meanwhile, 
in the middle of the night, she's got curlers on, you know, a, a face mask on. And, and if he ever woke up to her like that, he'd freak out, right? Because that's not what he bargained for, if you will. Yeah. And so that when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, my God. I said, thank God we don't live in that age where I can see my partner without makeup, without, you know, yeah. messy hair. Who cares, right? Because that is being a little bit authentic and unique. Because do I accept you for who you really are? Or do I, I accept only the facade? Mm. Right? Perfect person. There is no perfect person. Yeah. And being able to negotiate when, you know, values clash or when things go wrong, it gives you a deeper understanding of, of people, of being able to be compassionate, of I don't really like the word compromise because it always mm. implies that someone wins and someone loses. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that idea of, of how can we both get what we want here and how can we come to a mutual understanding whereby neither of us actually feel like we're losing because I think sometimes that's part of what is detrimental in relationships as it does tend to be this power struggle of, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, we go into those extremes, whereas if we're, and, you know, I know a lot of my marriage, I felt like I was compromising all the time, whereas now my partner and I, if we do have an argument, we come to a resolution. Mm. It So I don't need to remember all of the arguments that happened before <laughs> because I'm not constantly being quizzed on, well, I've never done that before, so tell me when I did that and mm. all of those sorts of things. It's just it's one and done where, you know, okay, a cover full of them might, you know, rehash. But for the most part it's like, okay, well, this one's done and we don't need to remember it and we'll move on and, you know, something similar may come up in a few months but it's literally so rare because we talk about things, we discuss things, we come to, you know, neither of us feel like we're losing when we have a disagreement. That's that's huge mm. because it's it's hashing old negative things mm. back up, right? And and I believe that that's detrimental to any relationship. And it's even detrimental to you as a person when you have to keep reminding somebody of a negative thing that kept happening. Mm. So for me, I, I believe that journaling is a great way to master oneself, mm -hmm. right? For me, it's always, and, and the reason I journal is because it allows me to recall how I used to think and where I've come from mm -hmm. or what on earth was I thinking? <laughs> let me, let me, let me go back. Why was I thinking that? Way? Oh, maybe I was going through something here. Maybe I was thinking this way, but because every day I, in order for self mastery, I have to improve tiny, tiny little bit every day. And when somebody says to me, how are you? I always say exceptional and getting better every day. Why am I getting better? Because I review my yesterday. And what could I do differently? How can I improve what I did? How can I improve my conversations with somebody? Who do I need to go and apologize for? Because all of a sudden I thought I was, I, I thought I said the right thing. And then now I review it and I go, I shouldn't have said that. 
maybe let me go and apologize to somebody or let me go and, and, and fix my error because this is how I get better. This is my, my goal towards self-mastery because I will never be perfect. But darn it, I want to just get better. I'll never be perfect. But can I get better? Absolutely. Mm. And I, I like that idea, although we're already the best us we can be right now in this moment. And mm -hmm. tomorrow will be the same. And even if we fall back into old habits tomorrow, we're still going to be the best us we can. And there'll be lessons to learn from that or, mm. you know, progress to be made or whatever you want to call it. I think we've balancing that I that improvement with the acceptance of where we are now and who we are now that's the trick of mastery mm -hmm. it's the i am so excited about who i'm becoming mm -hmm. i am so excited to be growing and changing and evolving all the time and i'm so excited that you know when i look back even six months ago i was a completely different person and also I need to be able to enjoy the person I am now right. and be okay with that and not want to be the person who's me six months from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yet still doing the reflection you're doing. So, again, it's this delicate dance and delicate balance of doing the self-reflection and doing that self-inquiry and journaling to see, you know, how can we improve? How can we be better? Mm better um and balance that or or mix that with the acceptance and compassion for where we are right now and who we are right now mm -hmm. and so that dance is because i know for me if i you know when i'm too much in self-reflection it's like blinkers on and i almost right. go too internal so it's 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 such a delicate balance that knife mm -hmm. edge that you've got to walk yeah. and that's the bit and you know i don't always get it right and i think that's the other thing of, of self-mastery is hand up i'm gonna screw it up i'm gonna make mistakes i'm not always gonna pick up when i've not been at my highest i'm not always gonna make the right apology i'm not always gonna make the right amends mm -hmm. and can i pick it up differently next time or can i notice it next time or can i see it coming next time so i can change myself in the moment yeah yeah and that's that delicate dance. Yeah, it's it's about and, and you said it, it's about living in the moment, right? Being present. Mm. Right. Because a lot of people say, Yeah, I'm here. Are you? Are you really? <laughs> <laughs> Are you present? Maybe you're listening to my voice, but you're somewhere else. Mm. And and when when you talked about being being like this, right? In in a almost in a cocoon where you're only absorbed about you. It's very hard to be present. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that I do is my gratitude is so important to me. Throughout my, the first thing I do in the morning, as soon as I think I'm awake, I start praying. I pray and I'm thankful that I have all the gifts that have been given to me, that I can have mobility that I can move my hands, that I can get up, that I can think that I'm alive. So I start with that. 
but a lot of people that they'll be maybe they'll do something like that in the morning and maybe they'll do it at night but i'm one of those people that if if i see a new person come into my life or if i help somebody i i do a quick little prayer and say thank you for giving me this gift to help this person or for bringing this person into my life before you and i came on i asked for guidance so that we can have an amazing conversation. I think we are. And so that I can be fully present for you, right? Because for me, it's always about how can I serve? Because if I can serve you, then I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part in my world to, and, and I always say when I, one of my prayers is allow me to help as many of your children as I can God. So how many children can I help today? How many brothers and sisters? Because if, if God is our father, then you're my sister, Mm -hmm. right? And how many brothers and sisters can I help today? And how many need my help? Mm -hmm. But not all of them do. Right? So we also have to be aware that not everybody even wants your help. And we've got to wait to be asked. Otherwise, we're rescuing and we're in the drama triangle. So if we're Mm. forcing our help on people, we've got to wait to be asked. It's like I'm standing here, I've got the tools, and I'm willing to help you. All Mm. we've got to do is ask. You know, my kids have been through, you know, kid stuff Mm -hmm. um, over the last few years. And the way, and again, this is part of my heroine's journey. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, the part that people don't talk about is that Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene had to stand there or chose to stand there. They didn't have to. They Mm. chose to stand there and watch him pass. They Mm. held space for him while he suffered and they loved him. All they did was stand and love him. Mm. My job is to be Mary Magdalene for my lover when he's hanging on his crosses and my mother Mary for my children when they're on their crosses. And when they've been on their crosses and there's been a number of times for all of them over the last few years, my job is to go, darling, I trust you to get through it. I'm here and I love you. Mm. I know you are going to make whatever decisions you need to make right now. Just know I'm here. And if you need my help, ask because I've got heaps of tools that might be useful, but I trust that you've got this and I don't think you need me. Mm. Yeah. And and that's that idea of rest of, of being in the the light side of the rescuer rather than the rescuer who's running in and, and jumping in and oh, here's my tools and let me help you and dust right. you off and clean you up. And it's empowering them to do their thing. And it is a painful place to stand. It's a really painful place to stand. Oh, I've been there. And yet <laughs> the lessons that come from it are phenomenal. And one thing that I do want to say that I'm playing with at the moment, and it's only come in in the last probably 10 days, is rather than gratitude, I'm playing with that term appreciation. Mm. Because when we make an investment, what do we want it to do? We want it to appreciate. Right. So if I am able, and I'll be grateful, obviously, I mean, it's still grateful and thankful, but when I walk past somebody, say, on the beach and I give them a smile and a hello, mm. I look at that as an investment. And maybe mm. if their bank account was low, that's filled them up a bit and maybe they can then pass that on to somebody else. And maybe if I'm grateful for something really good happening in my life, that will then, you know, be the stone in the pond. 
And so I'm really looking at it as this appreciation that everything good that's happening for me then, you know, accumulates and gains interest and gains momentum to then create this ripple effect. And mm. everything that I welcome in and I'm grateful for, my health, my wealth, my whatever else, the mm. sunrises I see at the beach, walking with my Oof. dog, being able to move my body in yoga or Pilates and all of that. This morning I went to yoga. I haven't been to yoga for a few months because, you know, they usually do like a 9 a.m. class, which means that I'm not really starting work until almost lunchtime, which just doesn't work. <laughs> this week they finally put in 6 a.m. classes, mm. which means I can get to them, which is amazing because right. I do that and then I'll go walk the dog. And this morning my balance was all over the place. My hamstrings were tight. My hips were looser, which is great, you know, got to be mm. grateful again. But it was this appreciation, one, of being back on my mat and two, of recognising, you know what, my body is still able to do this. Mm. It may not be as easeful as it was before, but that also gives me something to aim for. And at least I'm here. I'm on my mat. I'm in the hot yoga room. I'm sweating like crazy, (laughs) you know. But it just, you know, that's where I'm working on appreciation. So anyway, I thought I'd throw that word to you just to see what you think. <laughs> no, I, I love I, I love the appreciation because, and, and you also talked not only appreciation, but you also talked investment. Mm, yeah. Because that's where true self-mastery comes in, when you're investing in yourself. So when I say I'm getting better every day yeah. it's because every day i'm investing in me mm. right i can't be any good to anyone else if i'm the same as i was yesterday so every day if i'm not learning something man yeah. i might as well have stayed in bed and put the covers over my head because then it's not a day of to me, I have to be productive. I have to be. It's just, it's my nature. It's if I don't learn something today, I question it. Why? Mm. Why? Even, even when I go on vacation, I always bring a book. Mm. Always. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to be traveling very soon. I already have three books I'm, I'm going to be bringing with me, right? Um, Love it. And, and when I get there, I know... I'm going to buy one or two more <laughs> mm-hmm. because on my plane rides back because I have three, uh, I'm going to be catching six flights on my way back because I'm going to do different stops. And so I know on my flights, I'm going to be reading right? Mm-hmm. because I like to read and it, I'm just recreating that desire to always learn something. And I have to say, I think even if you spent a day in bed, you would still learn stuff <laughs> because <laughs> there would be something that would come up from the depths of your subconscious and go, have you thought about me? And you'd be like, damn it, here we go. Yeah, yeah. And there'd oh, be no. that processing time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's why that's why I meditate because yeah. it's uh, for me, meditation is, is, is taking all the knowledge yeah. and then placing it in the right context, the right areas, because I I get bombarded all day long. And then what do I do with that information? So for me, that the meditation is processing that information. So there's my growth when I am with me. 
right? Yeah. So a hundred percent. That that's for me. It's it's a beautiful thing to meditate because also sometimes I, I do shut down meditation where I think of nothing. I literally I create a room that's black. And I do a tiny little blue ball in the corner. Mm. And with every breath, I, that every breath I take in, that ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it's covering and all I see is blue. And then mm. I blow it back out until all of a sudden it's a tiny little dot again. <laughs> right. So that therefore there's no other thoughts except for that tiny little ball mm. that en encompasses me. So yeah. that is one, one of the meditations that I do because with uh, sometimes too much information is too much. Yeah. And sometimes you have to let go of it all. So that's yeah. why I put myself in a black room and only sometimes it's a yellow ball. Mm. Right. And so it depends on, on what I want to accomplish that day. And so for me, that alone really allows me to control my breath. How fast do I want that ball coming? Because if I'm like rapid breathing, that ball's yeah. in and out. And I don't want that. Right. So it's about controlling my breath, controlling myself and, and feeling my body, feeling my lungs, being grateful for my lungs, and then focusing on something outside of me, but not on things that are not the world. Yeah. This tiny little black room world that I created. Right. Mm. So that's, that's one of the ways I meditate as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to have a mix of practices because again, mm. you know, that practice may not work for you if your mind's too crazy. Oh, I don't know. Where's the ball again? And what am I doing? And okay. So what, what can Got I dirty put balls. in my mind's too I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that idea where we've got so many different practices and, and developing that toolkit mm. and also understanding that, you know, when we're in the wrong part of our brain, that toolkit's not going to be available to us. Mm. So what do we do then? And maybe that is the go back to bed and just, you know. <laughs> but I think, I think that's so important to have a range of practices and different meditations or the journaling or, whatever it is, you know, for me, nature is a massive part of my healing and it's, it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of my healing. You know, I've just spent all last weekend, not just walking the beach and doing my Pilates and um, going to the spa and sauna, but I've also spent the rest of the weekend in the garden. You know, I got to the end of the weekend. I'm like, I don't think I actually rested <laughs> apart from sleep. And it was crazy, but you know what? I came out of that weekend feeling so nourished because I spent so much time present in my body mm. and present with nature that I didn't need that rest that I'd usually need on a weekend when I've been so busy all week. And, you know, I use my beach walks very much sometimes as a walking meditation or I use it to learn more and have a book going in my ears or podcasts or, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's it's so important to have that um, list of activities even down to, oh, yeah, look, you know what? I actually need a glass of water. Let me just go and get a glass of water. <laughs> and sometimes that little interruption can just be enough to get you back on track and get you centered. So I love that you've mentioned all of those different bits because I think the bigger our toolkit can be with simple, relatively simple things, mm -hmm. the easier it is to go, okay, what do I feel is achievable now? 
And then if I want to stretch myself, okay, well, then I've got this part of my toolkit as well. Yeah. What do I want to do there? You, you know, one of the things that we, we kind of implied it, but we didn't mm -hmm. say it out loud, mm -hmm. is self-forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Right? So I think that we, we have to forgive ourselves for our own mistakes. We have to forgive ourselves even for the choices we make. Because sometimes those choices we thought were great in the long run, man, we come back and we go, what was I thinking? <laughs> but I like that idea of having regrets. You know, people say no regrets. But yeah. actually regrets aren't necessarily a bad thing because they mm -hmm. stop us from repeating those patterns and it allows us to go, okay, how can I do it differently next time? Yeah. So I think that's a really important part. And it's interesting that you talk about forgiveness because one of the things that has often tested up is when we did forgiveness in my kinesiology because we've got, you know, processes to work through forgiveness. And one of the often... It's not the actual process that tests up. Mm -hmm. It is because I wrote a note on that page saying, what do you need to grieve in order for forgiveness to happen? Mm -hmm. And so often we ignore the grief part and we want to jump to forgiveness. And often people will try and jump to forgiveness too soon because mm -hmm. it's kind of that forgive and forget type, you know, <laughs> messaging that's given. And I think this is where grief becomes a massive part of our healing journey because I think to you've got to forgive that version of yourself who was doing the best they could right. in that moment with the tools they had. As you say, looking at you going, oh, my God, what was I thinking? <sighs> but you're saying it from now when you've got all those tools. Mm -hmm. But back then you didn't have that. You didn't have that perspective. You hadn't climbed that spiral staircase to be able to look at it from wherever you're looking at it from. And so being able to, with kindness and compassion, grieve for that part of you who you know, made a shitty choice or did something that was out of alignment or whatever it is, you know, even when I left my marriage, even though the fact it was the best thing I could have done for myself, for my children, for him, mm. I had to grieve the, per the part of me that was never going to be a wife again, the part of me that walked down that aisle with this idea that we would always be together, the part of me that knew who he could be and still grieves for the fact that I know who he could be if he mm. became a conscious human being mm. i grieve for the father he could have been i you know i grieve for me who i could have been as a mother within that if things had been different so there's all these different aspects of ourselves. often we hold grief for only when people die or massive change happens mm. but we often have to grieve those parts of ourselves that die to be reborn or that you know made stupid mistakes or and I think once we integrate that into our practice, whatever that be, whether it's in a meditation, whether it's in a journaling session, whether it's in a healing session, whether it's with a coach, I think if we can navigate those parts of grief for previous iterations of us, for future iterations of us, for all of those things, I think we can then integrate forgiveness at a much deeper level because we've not denied the hard stuff. Yeah, that, that is huge. You, you know, and we're basically we're basically done with our time, but I, I want to tell you that I love the fact that we're even leaving it at grief. 
at at releasing, right? Because what you needed to do was release yourself from your situation. Mm -hmm. And there's where the forgiveness can come in. Mm -hmm. But you, we have to grieve, right? Because that part of us is dead now. Mm. And we have to yeah. let it go. So it's yeah. letting go. So grief is really about letting go. When somebody dies, a lot of people don't let go. And therefore, they, they keep carrying a burden. Mm. Instead of when somebody dies, I always believe in carrying the beauty that they brought to us, the, the laughter. Like my brother died very young. He was 42. But I don't grief the way my the rest of my family mm -hmm. did. I just recall how funny he was and how amazing of a person he was. And for me, my grief was a little bit different than I think everybody in my family. Because I saw it differently. Mm -hmm. Right? I saw it like he was an angel that was given to us. Yes, it was a short time. But I see the beauty of his time with us mm. instead of the regrets. Yes, I regret he's not around anymore, but what well, he could have been. But I do enjoy the memories that mm. that I have of him. So I, I grieve very differently than, than a lot of people, I think, because it's it's understanding what we're grieving. We 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 have to let go of certain things in order to, to flourish, mm -hmm. right? So even, even when we consider a farmer has to let go of certain things in order for those vegetables and, 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 and the hard work that they've put in to grow. So we need to let go of certain things in order to move ahead, right? Amanda, th this has been a, a great conversation. You need to keep coming back. <laughs> Anytime. And, and bring some of your friends with you. Come on, girl. <laughs> yeah. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> we, we've had some great conversations. We've had some other great people that you personally know and even some of your mentors. What's the one thing before we, we take off? Because we've already gone five minutes over and I could talk to you for another three hours. <laughs> What's one thing that you would like to say to anybody listening right now that they can take away with them today? I think it's about cultivating self-kindness. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledge that you are doing the best you can in any given moment. And the reason I know that is because otherwise you'd be doing differently. Mm. Beautiful. beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you. Being it's here. been wonderful. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait till we chat again. Yes, Everybody have yourself absolutely. an exceptional day. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you come back next week. We'll bring you another amazing guest. Have yourself an exceptional day. Talk to you soon.